0: If you're good at something, never do it for free. You're my older brother, and I love you, but don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. I pot
1: <laughs> Welcome back. We are the Podfellas. Thanks for listening to our entertainment podcast. I'm Myron, and joining me each week is Will. How's it going? Each week, we'll provide a film or TV review, followed by a deeper dive into a related topic. Today, we'll be reviewing Knives Out, followed by a look at Ryan Johnson's film career, Included. Included in this episode will be a look back at one of his more polarizing movies, The Last Jedi. So this is actually our fourth episode. How do you feel about it so far, Will?
0: Hey, I'm enjoying it. I'm liking it. Yeah, It's fun. It's a lot of fun,
1: right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, It is a lot of hard work, but I think you know this kind of keeps us accountable to stay up to date with all the great movies coming out. And I think right now is as good a time as ever since it's near the end of the year. And this is when all the big awards movies are coming out. But anyways, yeah. uh, how was your weekend? Weekend was good weekend basically
0: went christmas shopping i know you probably did a lot of christmas shopping i think
1: uh i did zero christmas shopping (laughs) i'm more of a it's christmas eve eve and i haven't done anything yet and i need to go buy a lot of stuff no as quickly as possible yeah You're,
0: you're procrastinating yeah christmas shopper
1: yeah but uh yeah weekends have been crazy these days um so i had my holiday party at work so i don't think we brought this up i work for a tech company i uh Produce, shoot, and edit all of their uh, video content. So it's uh, it's been fun. Uh, the company is doing really well. So it was a great celebratory time this past uh, weekend. Had a bachelor party. So if you guys never heard, instead of a bachelor party, it's a bachelor party. You go out and celebrate before one of your buddies uh, is about to have a kid and uh, i think it's even that much more important when it's not their first kid but it's their second cuz i mean i don't have my second yet but apparently they say your life really is over when you have your second because now the kids they're no longer outnumbered by their parents the the score is even you know i'm it's sorry two but two.
0: that term dadchuler
1: they make this stuff up
0: i honestly is that a, i feel like that's a post millennial term
1: <laughs> maybe they they make it up it's like the push gift So, if you guys don't know what a push gift is, ask your wife. Actually, don't ask your wife because then she'll ask for one. So, I'm not going to go any further on that. But I did want to ask you about this. Um, It's the end of the year. So, this is kind of when all of the studios are showing the trailers for next year's big movies. Yes. So, like, quite a few of them dropped this week. There was No Time to Die, the new James Bond flick. There was Mulan, Ghostbusters Afterlife with... uh, Jason Reitman taking over the reins from his father, and also Wonder uh, Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, 1984, directed, once again, by Patty Jenkins. So, I mean, you saw all these trailers. Which one was your favorite?
0: You know, it's funny. I Out of all the trailers, I don't know why, but I'm really excited for Mulan. I think yeah. there's like a, it is a more realistic side epic of it. Epic looking. Very epic, even though it is Disney. Uh, and without the whole, you know, side quirky characters. No mushu.
1: Quite a bit of controversy there.
0: <laughs> My girlfriend is re- reluctant to watch it because there's no mushu in it. She's a huge Disney like animated film fan in that sense. And she just like believes like it's not true to the original film. But you know, it's like I appreciate yeah. taking risks yeah. and, and seeing it from a different viewpoint. And also it looks like really
1: it's a different tone. It's empowering like empowering Mulan. Yes. yes, it almost felt like I was watching um, a scene out of Braveheart or something. It looks epic. It does. Yeah. It
0: really, I mean, the fight scenes, all that classic Chinese to me, like that Chinese uh, Kung Fu slash, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon vibe. I'm excited for it. There was no singing, though, huh? <laughs> uh,
1: there, I don't think there's going to be singing in this. No one. Sing-along. I think this is a different take. <laughs> they're, they're making a, a, a true to. True to the story, true to the legend version of the film.
0: I like it. Yeah. I like it. I'm excited for that one. So that that one stood out to me the most. Okay. Yeah. Other have... than other than 1917, but that I mean I know that right. that film. Yeah,
1: 1917 coming very out coming up very soon. I believe Christmas. Yeah, I think we were both going to try to check that out. I'd have to agree with you. Mulan looked incredible. I actually thought No Time to Die looked incredible. Directed by Cary Fukunaga, this version of James Bond seemed to be a little bit more rough around the edges, um, not as stylish or suave Uh, and i mean daniel craig was considered to be the more brutish 007 compared to those that came before him but yeah this one just looks really 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 fierce and rugged so in other news the golden globe nominations were just announced quite a few nominations for netflix actually big congrats to them so i mean we both kind of looked this list over what was your overall take on what you saw i'm
0: still surprised that that ford versus ferrari didn't get nominated for Best Picture. I mm. thought that film uh, was phenomenal. Uh, it was great, and, and you know, I'm glad that that Christian Bale did get nominated. However, I I, mean, I don't know how I, fe- I I'm not sure how I feel about it. But I feel like Matt Damon should have gone also a nomination. What are your thoughts? I mean, I
1: yeah, I mean, Christian Bale had the showier role, sure. so I'm not as upset at about the fact that Matt Damon was not nominated. I'm more upset about the fact that the movie wasn't nominated. It Agreed. was just a really, really great film. It was
0: so great. Yeah. Really well done. I, I thought that the, the cinematography, the story, the way they really carried the biopic of Carol Shelby yeah. and Ken Miles was brilliantly executed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I know you loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and it got quite a bit of love from the Hollywood Foreign Press. What was your take that,
0: on that? So yeah, I, was, I, I, I wasn't surprised that it was going to get nominated because, you know, Tarantino, he was, he was able to carry the story of like, you know, this idea of having it between, oh, it's a washed up actor and a stuntman's relationship and how they get through Hollywood, all that stuff. But no, that that plot twist was so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved Brad's performance in that. Mm-hmm. Hands down, especially the scene where he had his dog and the Mansons who were
1: there. It's very similar to Inglorious Bastard. It's kind of like it what is. you wish... Would Have happened, yes. happens, but and the it thing about you that satisfaction.
0: But the thing about *Inglorious Bastard is like, you like that, he gives you a little tastes of it throughout the film. Yeah, and yeah. this one, it was like all at once, all at once, and you just like, there it is, yeah, there it is,
1: yeah, great, great film. We'll be probably talking about that in a couple of weeks in our top 10 list, yeah, but we'll yeah. get back to that in, in a moment. I'm
0: glad they both got nominated, so
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. What about you, though?
1: Yeah, I loved Rocket Man. Uh, very underrated. So this came out hot on the heels of Bohemian Rhapsody, and I actually this is just my personal opinion. I thought Terry Edgerton was was better as Elton John than Rami oh. Malek was as Freddie Mercury. He actually sang every single song. Um, he inhabited the part. He was. Absolutely incredible, and the movie was very different. Um, this was more of a musical, not so much a, of a biopic. So, if you haven't checked out this movie, yet, I highly recommend it. So, the film got nominated as a Terran Edgerton, rightfully so. And here's one of the biggest surprises of the year um, this movie about strippers, which looked absolutely terrible ended up becoming one of the best-reviewed films of the year. And as I was watching it, Jennifer Lopez was just on fire. She was incredible. It's like the last time I saw her this good was 20 years ago in Out of Sight. And it kind of reminded me how great of an actress that she could be. So so kudos to her for that. In terms of snubs, uh, I have to agree with Will. I don't know why Ford vs. Ferrari was not nominated. I think the most egregious snub of this year... Is Where the heck was Us? Us wasn't nominated, Mm. nor nor was Lupita Nyong'o, so I don't know what the heck was going on there. I mean, the Hollywood Foreign Press has, over the years, made some iffy choices. I remember The Tourist was nominated for Best Film. with Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp, and the movie was panned by critics, but I think the foreign press was just in love with Johnny Depp, so they nominated that movie, so here's... But I
0: I just love when Ricky Gervais ripped a new one at Johnny Depp, yeah, saying like, have you seen The Tourist? (laughs) (laughs) Johnny's like, "Mm, yeah. It's like, "Hmm, okay, well, (laughs) he walks off (laughs) the stage... Yes, yes. I don't
1: know <laughs> if he's hosting it. I hope he is. That would be the best. Oh, ever. I
0: love Ricky you know. Gervais.
1: But uh, yeah, hopefully the Academy does show us some uh, awards nomination love. So,
0: I mean, I well, if you look at today's this year's list, though, do you think that it was it was a pretty tough list to narrow down, or do you think that us and Lupino Nyong'o like that should have been for first or forever, like for sure should have been? Because when I'm looking at the nominations, it it's pretty, it's a pretty good list.
1: It is a good list, um,
0: not like the tourists. I mean, I yeah. mean, I'll, that, that was like that's like yeah. There, blatant... there were some strong
1: films. I, I don't think there's any film that that shines brighter than the others. But I think it, it's a good list. Mm. Yeah, cool. Anyhow, and now actually one more thing. I was a little bit surprised that the farewell, which was a, a United States based film that takes place in China, I was a little surprised that that made the foreign language category. But hey, I'm just happy that the movie's getting some love as well because Aquafina was great. The movie was great. So that was our look at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to kind of oh, give you one a... more
0: thing. Mm. One more thing. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Why is he in the supporting? Yeah, yeah, right. Why?
1: Well, I I would have to. I get this I is... get it. Yeah, this is just conjecture. I would have to think that. Number one, it's an easier category to get nominated in. So they're, I mean, the studio has a the right, they can push an actor for supporting or best actor. They could choose to push to have some, someone nominated for a certain category. So I think they pushed for him in that category, in my opinion. And once again, I'm just theorizing because number one, it's easier. And number two, we talked about this in our review. Um, the movie isn't about him. He is the one that that kind of causes the change in the main character. But it sounds like
0: an it just seems like an oxymoron though, right? Because he's on the face of uh, "It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood." Yeah. You would expect yeah. him to be that that he is the star of the show. Very true. But really, he isn't. So then it's like, well, okay, why put his face on it then? If it's called "It's yeah. a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood" and have a different, you know, poster yeah. that that doesn't really have to hint that oh yeah, Tom Hanks isn't really the star of the show yeah. of this film i don't know i don't know it's just some kind of misleading in a sense yeah. i think that if you're on the freaking face of a movie poster and like you are shown like yep yeah and it's literally only him you should be nominated yeah. as, as best. yeah best i guess actor.
1: i guess they thought matthew reese doesn't sell tickets <laughs> <laughs> comics does though but yeah yeah nothing against matthew reese though he was no great he was movie. great yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. i guess Anyway, I wanted to give you guys a quick look at what will be coming up in some future episodes. Next week we will be doing a double review of A Marriage Story, written and directed by Noah Baumbach, which you can see on Netflix, and also Parasite, the South Korean movie directed by Bong Joon-ho. Now I know that generally during our episodes we'll do one movie review and then we'll do a deep dive into a related topic, but it's the end of the year, we need to we need to do some catching up on some of the movies that are that are coming out out there. So um, next week will be a dual review. And uh, we will be joined by a possible guest host. Uh, The week after, Will and I will be taking a look at Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and then ranking the best Star Wars films slash TV shows. And then lastly, to finish out the year, we will be going over our top 10 films of 2019. We will be breaking that up into two episodes. During the last week of the year, we will review 10 through 6. And then um, during the first episode of January, we will be reviewing 5 through 1. And we will be joined by our compadre our partner in crime uh filmmaker andrew O. so really looking forward to that hey anyway on to our main review for the episode will and i had a chance to watch knives out this past week came yeah. out about a week and a half ago it was great it was great I'm just getting right into it, it yeah. was so good yeah and we're both smiling right now because yes. of uh, how much fun the movie was but uh here's a quick look at the trailer i'm detective lieutenant elliott this is Trooper Wagner.
0: We just can... want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. <gasps> How was it? Hello?
1: The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great.
0: Ladies and gentlemen. I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. i am gonna live till I die. You think one of his family
1: walls, walls Killed him. Is that what you're suggesting? I'm gonna take the You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh
0: very nice. Matter of fact, oh God. Eat shit.
1: all right, that was a quick look at the trailer. Um here's a quick synopsis. A detective played by Daniel Craig investigates the death of a patriarch of an eccentric combative family. Now This type of movie, it's a whodunit, so uh, we're going to be very careful. I know that in past episodes, we talked openly about the plot, but for this episode in particular, we don't want to give anything away, so we're going to have a spoiler-free section, and then that'll be followed up by a spoiler-filled section, so we will let you know when that point is coming, so we will try to skirt around plot details as much as possible, but let me go ahead and ask you, Will, did you enjoy the film?
0: I really enjoyed it. Both my girlfriend and I really enjoyed the film. I think that Ryan did a great job with bringing this whodunit story from a different angle than such films as Clue or The Orient Express, and and just everyone had great chemistry, uh, really working together just to create this energy, and flow for the uh, as the story unraveled. What did you think?
1: Well, um, I thought it was a great movie. Um, Ryan Johnson has been someone that really understands the genre of whatever film that he's working in. And with this being a murder mystery, he found a way to stick to the, uh, the tropes of the genre, but at the same time kind of turning it on its head. Um, so, I mean, a movie like this, you have all of the suspects in like one space. And of course, there's an investigator trying to unveil what really happened. And you know, along the path, there are of, are, of course, a lot of red herrings that pop up that you see that kind of throw you off. But then nowadays, it's like the common moviegoer has seen so many of these movies or read so many of these books that they almost kind of can spot it from a mile away. Um, so I think what Ryan does is he understands this and kind of really changes things up. Um, once again, I'm, I'm going to be very careful to um, not give too many details away. But I will say that you kind of see what happened and what transpired about halfway through the movie. And now it's about, will this person get away with it? But then um, as we're trying to, as we're going along that journey, we realize that there are more details that have yet to come out and it all comes out at the end in the big, in the big climax, you know, every whodunit has uh, a scene where all of the details are re- are revealed and uh, this is no different, but this the scene itself just felt very different because of what happened in the in the middle of the movie. I mean, we thought we had things figured out. We thought the director showed us, literally showed us what happened. But, of course, there's more to it than meets the eye. So uh, what was your favorite performance?
0: So my favorite performance, in the beginning, I had to get used to Daniel Craig's character. <laughs> it was difficult to absorb his accent. Uh, however, it did grow on me after i got the whole transition of seeing a british swap and tough james bond that everyone knows
1: (laughs) i mean he literally talked like a pre-civil war (laughs) general from the south that that and his character's (laughs) name was benoit blanc (laughs) yes so that southern classic famous detective
0: with interesting quirks it was just it was fun and it was hilarious i was able to just accept it and realize
1: yeah it's a joke i think he knows it's a joke and we're just being lit in on it yeah it's okay to have some fun It, it, it
0: was just well because he's the thing, the thing is, he's in a suit, and James Bond is always yeah. usually in a suit. And yeah. the way he looks, it's a different
1: suit. He's like wearing a tweed suit, <laughs> yeah, with,
0: with with like paisleys, yeah. like paisley tie. Yeah. And the, but the way he just looks at the suspects and and interrogates him, he still has that James Bond, yeah. you know, persona and feel at the same yeah. time. But then when he starts talking, it, everything goes out the window. And I'm yeah. just like, okay, yeah. I I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun to watch. What I enjoyed also was just. Every character's idiosyncratic
1: characteristics. Oh, yeah. yeah they were all very distinct.
0: Super distinct. I've never seen Anna de Armas, um, who plays Marta, in any other film other than Blade Runner, 2049. But I thought she was really lovely in this film. Yeah. yeah. And even though she played it innocent and pretty much normal, had a pretty much normal personality... I love the fact that Ryan gave her like that one trait that made her. I
1: think we can give it away without giving too many details of the plot away. Basically, Anna de Armas plays Marta Cabrera, mm-hmm. who uh, play who is essentially uh, Christopher Plummer's um, housekeeper nurse. nurse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Christopher Plummer was the patriarch of the family. She has this interesting character quirk where she can't lie without throwing up. It makes her sick to her stomach, and she will literally throw up on the spot.
0: That, that just made it yeah. so—it it really helped blend yeah. in and with it, the rest of the
1: characters. And it also made her the, the moral center of the movie. You had all these ridiculous, eccentric, out-there characters that all wanted something. And then here we had, in the middle of it all, a, a plain Jane girl. By the way, I have to say that it's very hard to make someone like Anna de Armas look like a plain Jane, but basically making her the, the moral center of the movie was very interesting. Yeah. It it was brave casting, and I thought it paid out because she was very good, the best I've seen her, and she also got nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah. It was good for her.
0: But other than her, though, what else did you like about it?
1: Well, like you, I really loved Daniel Craig. He was just completely ridiculous and outrageous, Yeah, and uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> I just did. I was really laughing. Foot. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I have now. N- why would you think you could get away with something like that? I
0: have eliminated no suspects. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's what he says. <laughs> yes, and uh, Christopher Plummer was really good. I mean, He's still got yeah. it. He's always got it. I, I mean, uh, it's like once again, not giving anything away mm-hmm. to, to say that he dies at the beginning of the movie to figure out who did it, but he with whatever scenes he had, he was, he was absolutely great with. It man yeah
0: i loved him in national treasure yes for the small part that he played
1: (laughs) yeah he's a very handsome man he's still a handsome man remember him in sound of music yes you're in a room with some handsome men too yeah (laughs) handsome man no men (laughs) thank you appreciate that i wasn't talking about you just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i knew it (laughs) just kidding Uh, two handsome men here uh yes we, we have, have faces fun. meant for radio, though, unfortunately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, favorite scene will the beginning of the interrogation scene where the three investigators are placed strategically in the mm. composition. Like, yes, I love the weight and the geometry of how it was balanced. And uh, my favorite director is Akira Kurosawa, and it basically reminded that composition reminded me of uh, Kurosawa's film The Bad Sleep. And the the way I get captivated by a scene or a shot is just how you can be very clever with how you compose it and not cut away the only thing that there wasn't anything of in that composition was movement because in the bad sleep with Kakura Kurosawa he's playing with angles and and keeping the camera moving to to basically give you a moment of uh claustrophobia if the scene calls for it and then Backing it up to give a breathing room. But the way how just this simple locked off shot between um, uh, Blanc and the two other investigators interrogating each suspect. So basically we see
1: the the police officers interrogating the uh, thrombies, But then we don't really see Daniel Craig in the background until it's revealed.
0: But he's right there, yeah. and when you notice him, like yeah. you just feel like the composition is just yeah. so yeah.
1: well balanced. That was a great scene. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, there is this one scene in particular. It's more of kind of a lighting trick, but uh, there is a scene where uh, Marta. First off, let, let me describe the house. The house is this old house. The type of house that you would expect a murder mystery writer Classic clue. to live in. Exactly. Yes. Right? And then uh, Marta needs some air. She goes outside. And there are lots of shadows around the house. So you see her step out into the, the night air. And then in the shadows behind her, we see a lighter ignite. And then a cigar lights oh, up. Oh, yeah. So we, see, we realize that Daniel Craig's character, Benoit, was there the entire time. And then uh, his face is now just slightly illuminated by the tip of his cigar. Very noir. Right. And then he leans forward a little bit. And then there is some more ambient lighting from the house just perfectly kind of outlining his head, uh, the side of his face. And then he proceeds to then start asking some probing questions to Marta. I just thought it was very clever how that was framed. Those and are how fun. how that was lit as yeah. well.
0: What are some themes then that stuck out to you in the film?
1: Well, I think uh, one of the big things that really stuck out is the idea that money and expectations and entitlement ultimately corrupts. All of uh, Harlan Thromby's kids, they all grew up with money in their pockets. Yep. They were all uh, very wealthy. That made some of them lazy. And I think in the case of Jamie Lee Curtis, it was almost an insecurity. She built up her own company and she reminds people constantly, I built this company from the ground up, almost as if to say, I'm not entitled, I'm not lazy you know i grew up rich but i did something with it but then we're told later that the only reason she was able to start that company was cuz of all the millions of dollars that her father had lent her mm-hmm. right that that's the key factor right exactly so funny yeah and then you know compare that to someone like marta who whose parents are here illegally and she's working as a nurse to support her family and she is like we said before the moral center of the movie yep right
0: i mean i have to agree with what everything that you said basically i had the same idea uh greed entitlement expectations and selfishness being the core when you know one is born into a fortunate situation just money is the root of all evil sad really it's really sad to see as as old as they are and thinking that they contributed something you have harlan thromby who started this book series from nothing right he he's a rags to riches classic story you you, you know when you're born into something like that it's really hard to know the value of a dollar Mm. the value of hard work yes that mart said then like you said is the moral compass is to kind of like that balance of knowing what it really looks like how to work hard and earn money basically
1: Mm. yeah yeah so all right so i think we're gonna go uh, into the spoiler section of our film review very soon but before we do that will and i like to rate our movies out of five stars. Five stars is movie perfection. We're talking Godfather, Dark Knight level type stuff. Uh, four stars is, I, I would say, Oscar nomination worthy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, three is a good, decent movie. Golden Globe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two is, okay, some watchable moments. MTV and one, Movie Awards. Yes, and one is uh, People's Choice. N- oh, I was say Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> Not, uh, Nickelodeon, like you get slime when you Kids get your Kids' Choice award. Awards. Yes, yes. <laughs> So, Will, what is your verdict? I give this four out of five stars. Mm.
0: I think it was a great whodunit story from a different angle. Solid cast and characters and great plot twists. Uh, It kept me on my toes and was so fun to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have to agree with you. I also give it four out of five stars. Solid story with a lot of different characters that were all very distinct. They all had their own little uh, physical or mental quirks and plot elements that interweave into a very entertaining, funny, and surprising yarn. Highly recommended. Yes. We are now going to get started with our spoiler-filled section of our film review. So I think we're going to kind of just get right into it and reveal a major plot point. So we see about an hour into the film that uh, Marta Cabrera, played by Anna de Armas, did have a hand in killing Harlan Thrombey. Essentially, like we said before, she plays Christopher Plummer's nurse. And uh, when she is administering his daily dosage of medications, she gets a certain medication mixed up with the morphine that she's supposed to give him instead of giving him 3 milligrams of morphine she gives him a 100 and when she realizes this she knows that she, that he could very well die and that she tries to LB call Oh he is going to die. Yeah, he is going to die. <laughs> 100 milligrams. <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no chance. Yeah, you're you're going to float off and never never land at <laughs> yeah. that point. But basically when um she finds this out she uh, offers to call the ambulance but he says no, there's not enough time. Um I'm going to die and there's nothing I can do about it, but if, if they catch you, then you know, you're know you going to go to prison and they're going to you know do something with your family who is here illegally. You have to think about them. So this is where uh, Christopher Plummer, being the theatric uh, book author, uh, a writer of murder mysteries, decides to cover up his accidental death with a suicide.
0: It was a very endearing scene. It
1: was. I, I really
0: yeah. genuinely love that scene too. Yeah.
1: Now that I entire idea could have come off as a little bit, okay, come on. Would he really kill himself to protect someone else? But the way it was acted... By the way, Christopher Plummer was perfect in this scene because was great. he was just talking nonstop And then we can totally see why Marta was distracted by him and what and the things that he was saying. And in that moment is when she mixes up the drugs. All right. So let me ask you, well, at any point did the film seem predictable? Did you ever feel like you had things figured out? Were you right?
0: Okay, so I I did have a feeling Marta was framed. I, I mean...
1: I mean, we saw her do it, though, right?
0: Well, okay, we we do see her do it because, I mean, the only reason accidentally, why... Fe- accidentally. Yeah. Accidentally, right. But the reason why is because for a nurse to make such a mistake, like accidentally giving the wrong dose of medication for how long she's been taking care of Harlan, it seemed too easy for me. Mm-hmm. I just ran right off the bat thought, mm-hmm. okay, there's something off um okay however however though i I still wasn't sure and kept going back and forth with thinking maybe she actually didn't realize she gave the wrong medication because once the case of her trying to cover it up came into play that was when i was hooked and wanted to see how she'd be able to get away with it and also being the viewer knowing she was the potential murderer i loved the fact that okay this is the angle that i'm talking about that ryan took
1: where I was like... "Yeah, This is where he takes the the old idea and puts it on his head. Exactly. He says, okay, she did it. kill him. Yes. Yeah. And,
0: well, yeah. That, yeah, and that was, for me, thinking, I, I kind of hope she did, but I yeah. like the fact that I'm going back yeah. and forth with this in my head.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very interesting to, to kind of make the moral center of your movie the person that accidentally kills the main character the one that actually starts off the entire movie yep so i thought wow this is interesting that he did that and i thought okay this is really cool this is different enough so i was like completely disarmed to the point where i just thought thought that this would be a movie like oh is she gonna get away with it now but i think we were both proved wrong
0: it was the classic case of storytelling where it's either the audience knows all the details and Mm -hmm. the characters in the film don't or the characters yeah. know a lot more of the details yeah. and the audience have to figure that yeah. out.
1: So here in this film, I, I would say that we see the movie from Marta's perspective in yeah. that we see everything that she sees and only what she sees. And
0: we're there with her yeah. to
1: figure out how she's going to get away with this. Yes, yes.
0: And I love that yeah. kind of – it's fun. Right, right. What about you though?
1: So yeah, I, I totally bought it and I thought, okay, I really – here's the thing. I, I mean, I know she did it and I, I almost like felt bad for her. It's like, oh, she's going to have this guilt But then I was like thinking, but is she, did she really kill him? Technically he killed himself, right? Like what did she, what did she actually do? But then of course there was that whole speech that uh, (laughs) I was dying when, uh, when Daniel Craig's character uh, Benoit was like, this is like a, a donut with a hole in the middle. But, and, (laughs) and the realization that Marta about what you did, we would think it would fill that hole but what if that donut hole had another hole in the middle? And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> that donut me. had a hole in it. I'm sorry, that's a too, country. Wow. <laughs> sorry.
0: It was just hilarious. Yeah, that, that whole speech was yeah. so funny. Right. Didn't really make much sense, yeah. but that was the point.
1: Right. So what's hilarious is uh, when we think we have everything figured out and when uh, Marta reveals uh, through guilt and through a series of uh, consequences that occurs through the movie... When she reveals to uh, Benoit that she was, in fact, the killer, it's kind of like I'm sitting here thinking, OK, Daniel Craig's character didn't really figure anything out. People just told him what happened. Like, what kind of a private private investigator is he? has mentioned earlier that he is like the greatest living private investigator on the planet. Right. And then it, it literally yeah. comes out in dialogue. As I was thinking, this guy's an idiot. Right. Uh, Marta actually says, what kind of a private investigator are you? But then, of course, we have that big private investigator moment at the end of the film where we realize that not everything is as it seems. Right? So
0: so then let's let's talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about the end.
1: Yes, let's talk about the end. Was it good? Was it satisfying? The end was very, very satisfying. This is where it gets tricky because because as we talk about it in a podcast, it's going to be very hard to describe um, what actually happens and what is revealed. We will do our best um, to explain it. Uh, so basically, it turns out that Marta did not give Harlan the wrong medication. It turns out she gave him the right medication.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Right. I was so, about to go dun dun dun, but that's not.
1: <laughs> so it turns out that on the night that Harlan um, committed suicide, uh, he revealed to his grandson, played by Chris Evans, that he was going to cut all of the thrombies, all of his kids, all of his grandkids out of his will. Now, Chris Evans, in anger, um, tried to have him killed, and he knew that Marta would be administering Harlan's medication that night. So he basically swapped the meds yep. in order for her to give him the morphine instead of what was actually correct. Yep. Now, we realize during this epiphany by Daniel Craig, as everything is being, uh, being explained, is that um, she knew even though the medications were swapped, that even though the jars were of the exact same dimensions, she could tell by like the thickness of the liquid and the viscosity uh, of what was inside the jars that uh, she was actually giving him the correct dose of the correct medication. So regardless of what Chris Evans' character Ransom did, she just knew by instinct, by feel. By being such a good nurse for so long of what medication was what without even looking at the labels.
0: So what made me hone in on Chris Evans' character in Ransom being the main suspect of yeah. the murder, mm-hmm. uh, which is funny, though, too, because, you know, in terms of murder, quote unquote, there wasn't actually a murder uh, to begin with because it was an actual suicide.
1: Right, right. So Which is crazy, yeah, too. In, in this case here, uh, after the way everything happened, um, no one really killed anybody no. except for Harlan truly committing suicide under that was, false so presumptions.
0: That, that was that was brilliant. I like yeah, that. That was right. cool. I didn't I really didn't feel like there was enough focus on the other characters. Uh, they just really pointed out their issues and yeah. and, and their wrongdoings right. with abusing Harlan. So, so I wealth. guess
1: you have if there was a flaw in the movie, it might be that um, we meet all these characters early, but uh, Chris Evans' character we meet him about halfway through, and yeah. all of a sudden he becomes a major plot point in the movie. Yeah,
0: and yeah. I feel like that, that sh- you know that that the the other character should have been involved a bit more yeah. to kind of throw us off. Yeah, but yeah. it was like after Chris Evans came in everybody else. Everything shifted. Just shifted, and everyone else was in the corner, yeah, yeah. and Chris Evans now was in the middle.
1: And I didn't mind that so much, because then it became, I think, a movie about, is Marta going to get away with it? You know? I still so, cared that.
0: That's yeah. what I mainly cared about. Yeah. I was like, I really hope yeah. Marta was the one. And
1: it turns out that, of course, there was nothing to kind of get away with it with, no. since she was innocent. Yeah. So let me tell you this. Uh, I think we're going to, I'm just going to tell them what happens. Yeah, um Basically, at the end of the movie, it's revealed that Harlan Like I said, he cuts his family out of the will and basically leaves everything, um, all of the money from his books, his publishing company, all of his money, the house. He leaves it all to Marta.
0: Was that predictable, though, to you? Did you kind of see that coming?
1: I mean, I saw that coming. Okay. But I I just thought that scene at the end when she is on the balcony of Harlan's house, which is now her house. So good. And she's holding that mug. At the beginning of the movie, we see coffee being poured into a coffee mug. And it says, My house, my rules, my coffee. And that mug is being given to Harlan to start off his morning. Now, the lady dropping that uh, coffee mug off goes into his office and sees. The dead body of harlan that's kind of what kicks off the movie now to bookend that at the end of the film what we see is marta standing on the balcony of which is now her house used to be harlan's house she has that same mug and she's looking down at the thrombies all looking up at her and its it's as if to say she's in charge now she has all the power this is her house her rules her coffee and that's how the movie ends did you like that i love that i loved i laughed
0: um however my favorite part of the ending though was it's when marta was able to hold her own after lying long enough to get ransom's confession because there is a murder yeah. that does happen yeah. actually for me at the ending like one specific part of the ending that i love so much was when marta was basically able to draw out a confession uh, from ransom yes and uh does so by lying it just she does it by lying and holds it long enough
1: holds and she holds her vomit long enough and i thought so for him to complete his confession yeah and then she so throws up on him yeah. it's a great comical yeah. yet very uh satisfying visual at the end of the movie
0: and i and i like i said i did have an initial feeling that ransom had to do something with the entire
1: situation itself yeah, yeah. very well written By a writer director who has a full understanding of what the genre uh, of murder mysteries should be like, uh, how those movies play out, he changed it up just enough to uh, make it different and to keep us guessing and keep us on our toes. So, yeah, did a great job. Well done, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson did a good job. All right, so we are going to talk briefly about uh, Ryan Johnson's film career and then go into a re-review of The Last Jedi. Before we go on break, we wanted to share with you all about our friends at SBR, a.k.a. Shouting from the Back Row. Typically, Clip and Joe, the hosts, take sports topics and mesh them with nerd and pop culture in an attempt to create something informative and entertaining. These guys have been my friends for quite a while and they offer some very unique perspectives on what's happening in the sports world, especially in the NBA. So if you'd like to hear more about how Russell Westbrook is a Killmonger or why Magic Johnson is the Michael Scott of the NBA, check out the SBR Podcast. Just search Shouting from the Back Row wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash sbrpod. Thanks. Brendan? Emily? I really screwed up. Screwed up how? The brick. What? I, I didn't know it was bad, but the pin's on it now. You gotta help me.
0: Slow down now. This isn't good? No. Emily said words I didn't know. Tell me if they catch Brick? No. Tug? Tug might be a drink, like milk and vodka. Pin? You know the kingpin. Dope runner, right? Big time. What are you gonna do? She asked for my help. I just wanna know she's okay. So what's first? I'm gonna start shaking things up.
1: So you didn't know this boy? No, sir. Never seen him He just hit you he asked for my lunch money first good thing i brown bagged it all righty so that was a snippet from the trailer for brick ryan johnson's very first film ryan johnson graduated from usc film school and uh wrote the script for a feature film what would eventually become his very first feature he wrote the script for brick and uh, he had a very hard time getting financing for it seven years seven years to try to get the money to make this movie everyone said no basically because he was a first-time director and the material was very unusual, Unusual, right? Yep. Brick is probably a lesser-known film. <laughs> a Slightly lesser-known than The Last Jedi, I would say, right? It's Just indie. a little bit.
0: It's, yeah, indie, you know, that indie start. Right.
1: So basically, it's a film noir set within a high school. Um, he eventually found the money to, to make this movie. He shot it at his old high school, San Clemente High School in South Orange County. He cast Joe Gordon-Levitt, who is now... Who was upcoming at yeah, that time, too. Yeah, up and too. coming. And I think this is one of the he movies that so made it. so
0: lucky, I have to say, to get Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, and Gordon yeah and-
1: he got lucky to get the right actor at the right time, at the right cost. Pretty much. Because right? the movie cost 500 grand to make. He shot it over 20 days. But uh, the movie made it to Sundance. The movie won multiple awards. And he was really able to show people that he, he could build a world. This movie had its own type of slang and language. Which is hard to do because number one, it has to be unique to sound exotic enough for us to be like, oh, what are they talking about? But also understandable enough for us to ascertain what they're getting at. So after Brick, uh, Ryan Johnson made the transition to writing and directing studio films. The first of which was Brothers Bloom. And then afterwards, he directed a film called Looper, which was met with a lot of critical and uh, audience acclaim. So I know, uh, Will, you really enjoyed that. Um, it's such a great film. Yeah. I
0: think Looper was a story where it kind of made me realize Ryan Johnson knows how to think out of the box mm. when it comes to storytelling. Yeah. He really was able to take this idea of uh, time travel and assassins and just be able to like like i said like you said earlier yeah, put it on the its story. head yeah but yeah. put it on its head like the yeah. whole twist of it right and, and I, I just, I loved it. Yeah, so fun to watch.
1: Yeah, so Looper is a science fiction movie. And uh, yes. I know that we associate science fiction with him pretty easily now because of Star Wars. But, I mean, before this, he had just made films in completely different genres. Just um, as much as Knives Out is a very different genre from Star Wars. He has shown time and time again his ability to uh, write and direct a story that's very different from the story that he wrote and directed just before that great performances i would say it's it might be bruce willis's best within the last 10 years and that's what i appreciate
0: when it comes to ryan johnson's talent in story in his storytelling is that he can take what's been done before as every genre and every type of story that you can think about is been done before and completely give you a different angle and that's what i firmly believe when it comes to guys like him like yeah this has been done before but you haven't seen it done like this. And it's not like a hybrid. Exactly.
1: It's completely like, wow, I never thought of it that way at all. Exactly. And after Looper, um, he made this small little independent film called Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Small. With a very small, meager budget. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Um, worked
0: seven years to get that also. No, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Disney literally probably just like, airdropped money <laughs> onto his yard and said, here, go make your movie. <laughs>
0: When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power, and beyond that,
1: All right, that was a snippet from the Last Jedi. I know that this movie was really loved by critics, and um, in terms of audience members, depending on whether you were a diehard Star Wars fan or not, you either loved it or hated it. Now, Will, uh, how did you feel about the movie?
0: Okay, so as a standalone film for like an average moviegoer, it was fun, and it was a good it was a good film. Some plots of the film were great, but it didn't move the story forward, and it didn't amount to anything exciting to build upon. Um, especially the story involving Rose and Finn's relationship. I thought it was, that was just a waste.
1: Yeah, time. I mean, I have to agree with you and to, to a certain extent. Um, I mean, I was a diehard Star Wars fan. I still am. I literally grew up on the series, um, seen every movie. There was a series of books that came out. Um, I I literally at one point read every single one. And at the time, there was like 30 books. I read them all. Expectations for myself were very high going into the movie. And I loved everything that Ryan Johnson has wrote and directed so far. Now, here's the thing. Um, He was basically between a rock and a hard place. Because the movie that came before, I think everyone understood that, listen, we are making a brand new Star Wars movie after I don't know how many years. So we have to make sure that people fall in love with the franchise again we have to make them feel nostalgia and also open up the idea of something new and i think the force awakens accomplished that but unfortunately it was a huge rehash of previous star wars plot points Um, and that's the problem people got what they wanted in the force awakens but did they really get anything new i would have to say no so ryan johnson was tasked with taking this new Star Wars trilogy in a new direction. And just as he's done for all the other movies that he's written and directed, he tried to uh, defy expectations. And I think... What he tried to accomplish was so jarring that it took a lot of true fans out of the movie. And for me, it kind of did that as well. And I did really love um certain moments in the movie. I absolutely loved uh, the visuals in the final fight scene on the planet crate where you had that red dirt covered by salt. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That was and pretty cool. I was getting goosebumps during that entire big climactic fight scene and when then when uh luke shows up and then we have that little moment between leia and luke those are some really really great scenes tell us the major core of what you did not like about this film. okay well first off i think this was the biggest thing the the logic and timing of rose and finn's journey to Cantle bite just didn't make sense so basically we see that the uh first order fleet is able to track the resistance even through hyperspace And so members of the Resistance come up with a plan to send Rose and Finn to find this master codebreaker on a planet called Canto Bite, and then use him to help Rose and Finn sneak onto Supreme Leader Snoke's ship in order to disable the tracking beacon. Now, that sounds very complicated because it is very complicated. And we also learn that the First Order fleet is hot on the tails of the Resistance. Within hours, the Resistance is going to run out of fuel, and that they're going to get destroyed. But Rose and Finn go on what seems to be a three to four day journey, if not a week long journey, to accomplish their, their goal here. Now, this timing just absolutely does not make any sense to me.
0: Uh, bottom line, Rose and Finn's journey to Kanto Bite was such a waste of time. I, I literally, yes. the major reason for me was because it just took a sharp turn from finding the right. code to yeah. this internal struggle of Rose's past. Yeah. That made the performance awkward and trying too hard to connect with the audience. And when
1: you were on Canada by didn't you feel like you're watching like the Hunger Games for some <laughs> how everyone was dressed? It's like, what kind of movie am I watching? What what? Did, did I put the wrong Blu-ray in?
0: Oh, it looks like we're looking at some uh you yeah. know high class and low class comparison of like, you know, these these lavish people like yeah. living their lives and all of a sudden you see Rose going around just being so disgusted with everything final verdict of the film for last jedi
1: final verdict i give it three out of five stars um some absolutely great moments i appreciate how he tried to turn things on its head but ultimately there were some scenes that really took me out of the movie also didn't really like how easily snoke was killed he was supposed to be this awesome badass in the force and kylo ren was basically just able to trick him distract him and kill him it it was just i don't know very Mm. anticlimactic for me. three out of five Mm. yeah yeah. How do you feel?
0: Mm, three out of five. Sixty mm, percent, man. I give it a
1: mm, D. Three to five. Three out of five. Well, here's the thing though. A sixty percent would be a D if you're taking a test, but in film it's not so bad. I guess yeah, it's passing. Mm, barely. But here's what I think. Um I think that a lot of the questions that we had, a lot of the the, the things that went unanswered, will be answered in the next one. I do you hopes, think? I, I think there is hope. Yeah, A New Hope. A New Hope for this. Episode 4. Yes. A New Hope. <laughs> but this is Episode 9? Nine? 9. The Rise of yeah. Skywalker show. Do you think sure. in Germany, when they play the movie, it'll be Episode 9? Mm-hmm. No,
0: we can't go there now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no. In all honesty, I'm just excited for some action. Some, my lightsaber action. I want to yeah. see an epic battle scene again.
1: Okay. Yeah. Me too. Anyway, that was a look at the film Knives Out, along with a brief look at Ryan Johnson's film career. We also presented a re-review of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next week.